Hello, I'm Alec, and this is Scandal 101. I was recently listening to one of the old episodes that I had put out just to like see where I had like how I've progressed over the past 15 16 episodes and I realized that I think in every episode I say hello before the theme song and then hello after the theme song which I mean getting greeted twice isn't <laughs> isn't a bad thing but I was listening to it and I thought why why am I doing that it's it was very disorienting to me to listen to, so I'm not going to do that anymore. So welcome to welcome to Scandal 101 with only one hello. <laughs> oh boy. I am not really going to talk about scandals that have been happening in the news recently because this is one of them. And I almost mentioned it last week when I was recording, but... I thought to myself, this is probably going to have an interesting ending, so I don't really want to talk about it, and we'll just see how it unfolds. And I'm glad I didn't, because now there's going to be a full episode about it. You know by clicking on it <laughs> what it's about, but this is the OnlyFans banning explicit content scandal. First, I'm going to introduce you to OnlyFans, and then next, what happened in this scandal. OnlyFans was founded in 2016, and according to their website, quote, OnlyFans is the social media platform revolutionizing the connection between creators and fans. The site is inclusive of artists and content creators from all genres and allows them to develop authentic relationships with their fan base. OnlyFans gives creators the opportunity to monetize their content they want to share and how they share it in a secure environment ensuring full compliance with relevant laws, rules, and regulations, end quote. That mission statement, I'm like, cool. You want to create content? If I want to film a video of myself, uh snapping a thousand times and people want to <laughs> people want to pay to watch me do that cool i'm down for that alex hearn and jim waterson write in the guardian that OnlyFans has been it's always been marketed for the purposes that i just read content from various creators in the past OnlyFans has heavily marketed content such as cooking and fitness I think OnlyFans I've seen on Twitter has also random things like little niche markets that you can pay to like access content to, which cool, do what you want to do. But its advertising overlooks the main core of, it, of its business, which is explicit content or pornography, depending on the level that you get into it. Last year, as a company, OnlyFans brought in over $2 billion, according to a Shaw article written in 2021. And back from that Guardian article, OnlyFans... Okay, so the sources are kind of conflicting from what I could find, but OnlyFans is either solely owned or it is majority owned, depending on the source, by Leo Redvinsky, who is a, quote, porn mogul, 
end quote. He's an interesting character. I'm just going to give you a brief introduction to him. And I just went very basic from his website and what his Wikipedia page had to say about him because he's not the main focus of this episode, but I just thought I would include a little bit of information in there. He's 39 years old and he graduated from Northwestern University in Illinois. According to Wikipedia, it says that he bought a 75% share of OnlyFans in 2018, but some of the other articles I used throughout this podcast say that he solely owns it, so that's where the difference in reporting comes up. But either way, he owns a good chunk, if not all of OnlyFans, and once he bought his shares or whatever in 2018, the not safe for work content, so like the explicit content on OnlyFans, increased heavily after he bought into it. In May 2021, The Guardian described Bredvinsky as a quote, U.S.-based online pornography veteran who largely chooses to avoid the media, end quote. And then I also looked at his website, Leo Radvinsky's, just like his own website, and according to his website, he is, quote, an accomplished company architect, angel investor, philanthropist, and open source software supporter, end quote. He is an interesting character. I just wanted to include a little bit about him so you have awareness going forward if I do mention his name, who he is, but he's not really a central part to this episode. So he's like the owner, like financial owner person (laughs) that goes in it. And then the company itself is ran by the founder of OnlyFans and his name is Tim Stokely. And how the process works is once people sign up for like an OnlyFans account, People can then subscribe to content creators, and there are free subscriptions on OnlyFans, but generally when you're talking about explicit content, porn content, normally there is a subscription fee that's billed monthly, the creators have a lot of control in like their pricing and if they want to do a sale, but it's like a paid subscription. Just boiling it down very simply, it's a paid subscription, and there is a fee associated with the subscription for the creators. The creator gets to keep 80% of their profits, while OnlyFans keeps 20% of their profits. So leading up to this policy scandal and thing, and just decision that got a lot of outrage, Elise Berry's reporting in Time Magazine shows that on August 17th, OnlyFans launched OFTV, so OnlyFans TV, and it was or is a streaming platform and app that would be available on iOS and Android devices. However, OFTV would exclude sexually explicit content. So this happened on August 17th of this year, and this was kind of the first sign that OnlyFans was seemingly trying to distance themselves from sexually explicit content. So even though they launched this OFTV, OnlyFans, the app itself, was still like was still allowing for explicit and pornographic content. On August 19th, just two days later after the launch of OFTV, OnlyFans said that it would be banning sexually explicit content on its main platform starting on October 1st of this year. An insider article by Tenbarge and Akhtar reported that OnlyFans' statement said that some explicit photos, such as nude photos, would be allowed as long as it met their acceptable use policy. However, at the time when they were answering questions, there weren't a lot of uh, other details regarding what that policy was going to be. And then eventually a proposed acceptable use policy was released, and it said that it would ban the following. Quote, so these are the things that it would ban. Quote, Actual or simulated sexual intercourse, including genital 
to genital, oral to genital, anal to genital, or oral to anal between persons of any sex, actual or simulated masturbation, any exhibition of the anus or genitals of any persons which is extreme or offensive, and actual or simulated material depicting bodily fluids commonly secreted through sexual contact. So basically, with this updated policy and the ban that OnlyFans was going to enact on October 1st, anyone who was producing explicit content, pornographic content, you know, sex workers who were using OnlyFans as a means to make money, they were basically gonna just be pushed out. And before I go any further, you might notice that I am using the term sex worker instead of prostitute. And the main reason for this is simple. (laughs) It's that sex work is work. Sure, it's maybe not a traditional nine to five job that you go punch in and punch out every day. But when you really boil it down to the basics, the sex worker is providing a service to a paying customer. And obviously, you want all of the important things to be there. You want it to be two consenting adults. You want there to be trust. You want there to be fair compensation for the services provided. But at the end of the day, that sex worker is still providing a job and a service. And prostitution and prostitute, it just has a lot of negative connotations that are, that are very dismissive. It's like, oh, well, they were a prostitute. So this isn't a true crime podcast by any means. And this is more about OnlyFans rather than the traditional sex work, I guess, because this is a modern form of sex work, OnlyFans and putting stuff online. But you hear a lot about in true crime podcasts where, you know, someone was a prostitute. That's the phrase they use. Oh, they were a prostitute. They had it coming. They they had a dangerous job, so they should have accepted it or they should have expected this result coming or oh, we shouldn't feel bad for them. They had a dangerous job. They were a prostitute. And I think it's funny that that logic doesn't apply to people who have other dangerous jobs, such as race car drivers or movie stunt actors. You know, if a race car driver dies in a car accident that is being nationally televised, how come their death is so much is is mourned so much greater and there's memorials and, you know, all of these things. And I'm not saying that they don't deserve those by any means, because they are still someone who lost their life in a tragic way. But if someone is a sex worker, but a lot of times people just use the word prostitute, if someone is a sex worker and they get murdered, Why are we dismissing their horrific death (laughs) because they had a, quote, dangerous job? If you're going to have that standard, apply it to anyone who has a dangerous job. I would argue that firefighters have a dangerous job, but yet there seems to be a lot of community support for the family and friends of the firefighter, and there should be because they're doing an important job. And while sex work is a different type of job, it's still a job. That rant is going on long enough. I think you get what I'm saying. Sex work is work. You shouldn't dismiss because they have a job that maybe you don't agree with. It's still a job. They're still a person. We're going to conclude that part there. (laughs) One insider article, the one that I had mentioned earlier, they interviewed a couple of creators who use the platform OnlyFans, and they post things ranging from partial nudity to sex scenes with a partner. And in the article, they are identified by their stage names, and so those are the names that I'm using here. Um, One of the OnlyFans creators' name is Chelsea Lynn. And in the past six months, she has made over $200,000 from OnlyFans. 
and that is before OnlyFans takes their cut. So OnlyFans took about $42,000 from that cut. But again, before OnlyFans cut, she had made two hundred around $200,000 in six months. So again, I pose sex work is work. She is providing a service and making a decent amount of money from it. She found out the she found out about the OnlyFans ban from a news article. She said, quote, the current feeling I'm getting from other creators I know and myself is both anger and confusion. Sex work built OnlyFans, and now it feels like they're turning our backs on us, end quote. Another OnlyFans creator the, art- the article looked at named Nat Cole, who has made a majority of her income on OnlyFans, said, quote, The large majority of sex workers on the platform are surviving payout to payout. They're giving us less than two months notice to now find a new platform to move all of our fans to in an attempt just to survive and keep paying rent, end quote. And I remember... Like when I saw on Twitter, if you use Twitter, there's like the search page and then there's like topics that are trending when I clicked on the OnlyFans one because I was like, oh, what's going on with that? I remember seeing a lot of frantic, I guess, and panicked creators on OnlyFans who were basically told it. what this decision boiled down to is that, hey, you know, you have this job for about a month and a half, two months ish. And then you're you're out of luck. You got to go find somewhere else to work. That's essentially what this what this ban was. And there were I remember seeing on Twitter there was a lot of outrage at OnlyFans. But as I as I looked into my research, it seemed like OnlyFans wasn't necessarily causing the issue. From the Sprangler article in Variety from 2021, he wrote that publicly the founder and the CEO of OnlyFans said, "quote." The change in policy, we had no choice. The short answer is banks, end quote. And then Tom Spangler in that same article also wrote, quote, The company would absolutely welcome pornographic material back on the site, but for now, OnlyFans is at the mercy of the banks that refuse to do business with it, end quote. And then we're going to talk about the banks a bit later because that kind of seems to be where the core issue is in this whole scandal debacle thing. So just as a recap... On August 17th, OnlyFans launched OFTV, which didn't allow sexually explicit content, which was kind of distancing OnlyFans from sexually explicit content pornography. And then on August 19th, they were like, hey, homies, sorry, starting uh, October 1st, we're not going to allow it anymore. So that's a pretty quick decision, and those creators didn't have a lot of time to figure out what to do. And then all of a sudden, as soon as this decision came out, it completely reversed. On August 25th, the company said in a tweet, quote, Thank you to everyone for making your voices heard. We have secured assurances necessary to support our diverse creator community and have suspended the October 1st policy change. OnlyFans stands for inclusion and we will continue to provide a home for all creators, end quote. Leticia Beecham in the Washington Post interviewed an OnlyFans creator who had mixed emotions about this policy change, and in the article she also uses their stage names. One story that she talked about was Rick Twombly King and his husband Griff. They are OnlyFans creators, and after the policy changed, Rick thought initially that it was a joke because 
just six days before <laughs> it it had banned all sexually explicit content starting October 1st and now it's reversed all of a sudden. The two felt, quote, insulted that the platform he and thousands of other adult creators helped build seemed to suddenly kick them out in the rain only to invite them back in with soaking wet clothes, end quote. And Rick was also a little hesitant about the policy change because in this statement, they used the word suspend versus the word cancel. And I'm going to read that part of the policy again, just so that way it's fresh in your brain. It says, thank you to everyone for making your voices heard. We have secured assurances necessary to support our diverse creator community and have suspended the planned October 1st policy. It didn't say we have canceled the planned October 1st policy change. Rick was kind of hesitant about that because the word suspend seems to mean that it could happen in the future and that it might just happen at a later date rather than it's not going to happen. You know, if you were to if you were to use the word cancel, it provides a little bit more of an oomph, but suspend is like kind of wishy-washy. And just a little bit more about like Rick and his husband Griff. So the two of them, the account that they created was one of the first accounts to gross more than $1 million. So again, these sex workers are making a good living on the hard work that they're doing and the content that they're creating. I can't even imagine what everyone who uses the platform OnlyFans to create and make money on. I can't even imagine, you know, what they must have been feeling, panic, worry, just all these horrible emotions. Because like I said earlier, it's basically like being told you have a month and a half left at this job. Good luck finding your job somewhere else. And also with the rant I went on earlier, Sex work, it's it's not really accepted in today's society. So it's not like you're working at a McDonald's and it gets shut down and you're like, ah, oh, I got to go find another fast food job. There are a lot of laws that punish sex work. And so OnlyFans has been a safe platform for these sex workers to create on. And they were basically told good luck somewhere else before the policy had changed back. And not only with that wishy-washy language, but just with the, you know, policy change and then the reversal, there was a lot of worry with what the future may hold for OnlyFans. From that same Washington Post article, Angela Jones, who is a professor of sociology at Farmingdale State College, said the following, quote, sex workers are used to fighting. So this time, sex workers were on the ready. The government and public must recognize that sex work is work and the unrelenting occupational discrimination sex workers face is a civil rights issue, end quote. And later on in the article, she said that no public policy or law enforcement efforts have gotten rid of the supply or demand for consensual adult sex for money. So again, it just goes back to what we talked about earlier. A service is being provided. There is a big demand for that supply. OnlyFans gross, what did I say, like $2 billion last year? Clearly there is a supply for this explicit content, for these nude photographs, whatever, you know, whatever level that creators are creating on OnlyFans in regards to not safe for work content. But there is a demand there. And to, to pretend that that demand doesn't exist in my in my opinion is really really ignorant and then the policies that follow that ignorant thought unfairly discriminates against sex workers and it unfairly discriminates against it it yeah it's just it's their job 
and society as a whole is telling them, we don't like your job, so just don't do it, or we're not going to allow you to do it. But if you look at it from a basic economic uh, standpoint, there is a big demand for it. And there are people who are willing to help supply that demand. So from a basic economic standard, why are we trying as a society to prevent this service from being provided if there's such a big demand for it? (laughs) Morally, I don't understand why people are against it as long as it's, you know, two consensual adults, there's trust, there's a fair payment, you know, all of the things that you would expect there to be. And I don't understand from an economic standpoint why people are going to turn their head to a basic economic principle. It doesn't make sense. Earlier, we talked about how banks were apparently the issue at the center of this. And from earlier, the CEO said himself that the short answer like the, sh- the short answer of the policy change was the banks. According to the Beecham article from 2021, banks and companies such as American Express, Chase Bank, and others have, quote, refused to process payments for sex workers across industries, including legal porn, end quote. And sometimes I run my words together. That was legal porn, not illegal porn. So legal porn, good. From Spangler's Variety article, he reported that Stokely, again, the CEO of OnlyFans, also said that, quote, banks, including J.P. Morgan Chase, Bank of New York Mellon, and the UK's Metro Bank, cite reputational risk and refuse our business, end quote. And then from that same article, it also talked about that several banks had cut off OnlyFans from making wire transfers, and that's why it was becoming difficult to pay the creators. And then on August 21st, this was after the policy change that, hey, we're going to ban sexually explicit content. And before the reversal of the policy, OnlyFans tweeted out, quote, Dear sex workers, the OnlyFans community would not be what it is today without you. The policy change was necessary. Whoa. The policy change was necessary to secure banking and payment services to support you. We are working around the clock to come up with solutions, end quote. And that's kind of why they did reverse the policy change is because they were able to find the funding, the support. I don't know what the correct term is when looking at that, but they were able to find the money to allow OnlyFans creators to keep posting not safe for work, sexually explicit content, whatever you want to label it as, but they were able to find the resources to do that. The last thing I kind of want to talk about before I close it out is the morals are surrounding this scandal and then who runs society. I've mentioned many, many times in the, in the past episodes that money really runs everything and there are so many impacts that it has on people. And I think that this this case, this scandal, it really kind of brings it to light. Throughout the episode, I've mentioned that sex work is work. That is my belief. Some people choose not to believe it. But if you look at it from a basic economic standard, someone is providing a service, a supply to an industry that has a great demand for it. Basic economic principle, supply and demand. So not only is it my belief, but if you're looking at it from an economic standpoint, it really makes sense. And again, you want the consent, you want you know, consenting adults, fair pay rate, all of those good things. But in this case, it really focuses around what the banks want to invest in and what society 
chooses to deem as acceptable and not acceptable and the way we deem that as a side as a society is through our laws and policies sex work is illegal almost everywhere in the united states it is a heavy heavy charge for an industry that has a big demand and i i want to blame you know i want to put blame on the banks because they're not willing to invest in an industry that has a big supply and demand but at the same time i can understand their position from a money standpoint because if society is going to continue to punish sex workers for for taking part in an industry that very much exists but our society likes to think of it as taboo, likes to think of it as immoral, likes to think of it as gross. Whatever term you want to put on it, our society is not accepting of sex work. And things have been changing in the past 10, 20, 30, 40, 50 years. There has been a lot more visibility. In one of the articles I read, there was another um, OnlyFans creator that had said OnlyFans had created a safe sp- a safe space for them to create in to have control over what they were doing and they had had past experiences that were traumatic because they didn't have a lot of control over their situation and they didn't have a lot of resources for help because our society deems it as unworthy of help for whatever reason I can understand from a monetary standpoint why the banks didn't want to invest in OnlyFans. How much I agree and disagree with that, uh, I don't know. I am not going to put a hard decision on it. But I think it this scandal really brings to light a big question in our society. And a, something we need to consider is why are we actively ignoring something that clearly exists and why are we punishing people who are wanting to take part in an industry that has a lot of financial potential and we could in theory create protections create laws create ways for sex work to be safer because again pretending that this doesn't exist is not is not a good solution because sex work exists and no one should be embarrassed to say that the demand for sex work exists and if you choose not to acknowledge that you are denying simple facts simple information that is easily accessible to you and as a society i think we need to start asking ourselves why do we find this so taboo why are we so against sex work? Why are we punishing people who are sex workers instead of people who take advantage of sex workers? How come they don't get in trouble, but the sex workers get in trouble? I know for me, when I was doing my research, I, you know, my beliefs ar- around sex work were already formed, but they only, I only gained more sympathy for sex workers by doing this research because I, I read through these articles stories about how this decision could have completely ruined people's lives. People talk about job loss, economic hardship. In the past year and a half, so many people have had to face that. And for these sex workers, um, OnlyFans has been a way for them to consistently keep income 
coming in because they can create from from their phone from they can do it from wherever and people are paying to subscribe to them so they were basically for a couple of days told that you don't have a job anymore so i guess my i guess my closing thoughts are to ask yourself why as a society do we punish sex workers for taking part in an industry that is very profitable and that can provide them with a good life and maybe it can be a good opportunity for you to reflect on your own opinions about sex work and ask yourself why do i have these beliefs why do i have these preconceived notions you know either if you support sex work or if you're against sex work it's always good to reevaluate your beliefs and your morals. You should never stop because society can't move forward if we aren't continuously reevaluating what we believe and what society is expecting from people and what society wants. <laughs> Those are my closing thoughts. Just kind of think about why as a society we have this taboo around sex work because my opinion on it is sex work is work. It shouldn't be taboo and there need to be protections, more protections in place and more resources for sex workers to participate in sex work in a safe manner. Thank you so much for listening. Uh, I know sex work can be kind of an uncomfortable topic if it's something that you're not used to hearing about, but I hope you not only got informed about what happened with this, but I hope it kind of opened your eyes a little bit to the real world impact that this decision would have had on people and maybe could still have if you know using the word suspended in that policy but i hope it i hope it kind of opens your eyes that sex work is done by real people it's real work and a lot of decisions that are made have real world impacts on people if you would like to stay in touch please stay uh up with the social media on instagram you can find us at scandal 101 podcast on twitter at scandal 101 pod on facebook you can find us just search scandal 101 podcast you'll find our facebook page our website is scandal 101 podcast.podbean.com and if you have a suggestion for an episode or a scandal you want me to look into please send that to scandal 101 podcast at gmail.com again thank you so much for listening and this has been episode 16 of scandal 101